0: Hello and welcome to the brand new Thigh Gap podcast. This is me being brute, and with me is
1: Bogus Noog.
0: Bogus, did you observe I have used the word brand? Yeah. Because Thigh Gap is already a brand. Oh yeah. It's a huge brand and it's been so long. Mm. We do not apologize for the long break for the English podcast that we've we've taken quite a long sabbatical Mm -hmm. and we would love to say that it is due to technical problems. Mm-hmm. But it was not. It's yeah, it was just not. like absolute, pure, raw, you know, godly, celestial mm-hmm. laziness. Yep. That we didn't bother to do the episode. That's that's all. Yep. But now we are back, and we are back with a bang, and we are taking up an all new topic for this episode. Mm-hmm. And today we are going to talk about churning of your ocean. Chai, 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 chai. So bogus. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's that's so how we represent yeah. an ocean moving. Some great infra in this ocean. Infra in this ocean, obviously, it's yeah, like yeah. a naval ship. A lot of facilities. Seven hundred people on it. Yeah, but it can also be a submarine. So churning of your ocean is an interesting topic. So bogus, let's just dive through our socials. The award-winning socials, bogus. Oh, yeah. On Instagram, we are at at underscore thai gap. Twitter and Vero at ThighGap. And if you have to write an email,
1: mindthygap at gmail.com.
0: So bogus with that, we'll just straight away dive into the topic. Let us just establish what we mean when we say churning of your ocean.
1: So what we mean when we say churning of your ocean is we are referring to the original myth mm-hmm. or let's say it's one of the oldest stories yeah. that dates as far back as Sanatan Dharma itself. Yeah. Which is the myth of the churning of the ocean.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just going to repeat this about like 74 times.
1: Yeah. so the reason we want to talk about this story is because as shocking it is you know as to how old the story is, yeah the most surprising thing is there is an encoded blueprint within that story. Mm-hmm. So the story is full of symbolism and metaphors yeah but there is a blueprint within that story which even today throws light on the entire process of you know the pursuit of goals. Mm-hmm. in our life mm-hmm. and how we should go about pursuing our goals what is a worthwhile goal in the first place and right. how do you develop that goal how do you frame that goal for yourself subjectively mm-hmm. there is so much value and so much juice in this particular story itself right you could be excused for not you know reading in detail into anything else if this is the only thing that you're going to pick and go if you are an individual who's looking to evolve or looking to grow as an individual, yeah. and uh, you're looking to make some progress in self-development, this is the story for you. Yeah, And just a small disclaimer that we want to give before we go into the story itself is that we're very well aware this is just one version of the story, and there are many different versions of the story. But for the purpose of this episode and to break down the metaphors or the s- symbolism involved, we're just using one version. Yeah.
0: So this story basically goes, according to my the mythology of mm-hmm. it, it happened before time, and uh, the premise or the context of the story is fundamentally to explain that this is how existence came into place. Mm-hmm. But paraphrasing the you know the meaning of it, uh, the churning of the ocean was the incident. Mm that fundamentally, you know, depicted the principle on which the existence would run or function. Right. So just for the benefit of all the audience who are not aware of the story, the stage is yours. Take a deep breath, wash your hair, start off with the story.
1: So this is the climate when the story is starting out. Basically, there are three worlds, you know, Bhuloka, Svargaloka, Loka, yeah. etc. And there are a bunch of Devas who are also demigods, uh, whose king is Lord Indra. And there are Asuras who are from the demon's side. And uh, both these rival forces want to exert their influence over all these three worlds. They want to gain dominion. And Devas and Asuras are locked in constant struggle for influence over these three worlds, basically. Now, the king of the Devas, Lord Indra, one fine day, is gifted a garland of flowers by a sage called Durvasa. And sage Durvasa is not to be messed with. He's an OG sage. He's one of the OGs and he's also well known for his temperamental issues. Yeah, anger issues. Anger issues. So people don't usually, they know not to mess with the guy. Mm. So when he gifted this garland of flowers to Lord Indra, he said it was gifted to him by Apsaras. And so being of celestial origin, that particular garland actually, the flowers... Uh, were quite fragrant, and so Lord Indra, in humility, decides to adorn the trunk of his elephant, Airavata, with this particular garland. Now because of the fragrance, the garland starts attracting all kinds of bees, after which the elephant, Airavata, throws the garland down to get rid of that nuisance. This act of throwing the garland down is taken as a personal insult by Sage Durvasa, and he proceeds to curse Indra and the Devas, that they would lose influence over the three Lokas as a result. They did not treat the gift properly. Now, as an immediate consequence of that, what happens is the Asuras start gaining an upper hold over you know all the three Lokas. And so the Devas panic and they approach Lord Vishnu for his intervention.
0: Like always.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So Lord Vishnu, in collaboration with Lord Brahma, assigns a task to the Devas and the Asuras And the task is to obtain Soma, which is the nectar of the gods.
0: Yeah. And it's also paraphrased as the nectar of immortality. Yeah. Amrita.
1: Yeah. So that is like the ultimate prize. So the angle was that, hey, if you partake of this Soma, basically you'll become immortal and that will give you everlasting life to achieve your goals. But the task had one particular condition that the Devas and the Asuras had to work together to churn the ocean of milk which is called Shira Sagara, you need to churn the ocean of milk to get the Amrut out. Basically, that was the condition. The other condition was Devas and Asuras have to work together. Otherwise, they would not be able to achieve this task. Now, in order to churn the ocean, the Devas uh, and the Asuras sought the help of the snake Vasuki, who was the king of snakes and who was known to adorn Shiva's head. Yeah. Uh, they asked for his help because uh, they needed a rope to basically churn. And the caveat was that even King Vasuki would be able to partake of the Soma once it is generated. So then they also needed something to churn with. So a piece of uh, the mountain Meru is broken off and it's called Mandara. Hmm. So they have Vasuki coiled around this spike so that they can turn it from either direction to churn the ocean. However, they also needed some kind of a stable base at the bottom uh, that can hold the mountain up. Mount Mandara, while they're churning it, and at this point, Lord Vishnu takes the form of a tortoise, yeah, and goes at the base of the Mount Mandara, so that these people can then churn, and you know the process can get underway, basically. So with all this happening, the devas and the asuras now they start churning the ocean by holding the snake Vasuki, and as they keep churning, you know they keep churning and churning and churning and churning, and finally, after a while. The first thing that comes out of the ocean is this extremely toxic poison. It's called Halahalam, and that poison is said to be so toxic that it destroys creation itself in its path. Once that toxic poison started to spread in the ocean, the Devas and the Asuras were not able to handle that toxicity. They were already seeing some collateral damage because of that. So they immediately invoked the help of Lord Shiva. So Shiva takes mercy on them and he proceeds to scoop up the poison in the ocean with his hands. And then he starts drinking it. Now as he's drinking it, Parvati comes into the scene and holds Shiva's throat so that the poison only goes until his throat and does not go further into his body. And that's where his throat becomes blue because of the poison. And that's where Shiva gets the name Nilakanta from, which is blue throat. So now that Shiva has intervened and taken care of the poison, the devas and the asuras continue churning because their ultimate goal is Soma. So as they churn and keep churning and keep churning, now new things start to come out of the ocean. But this is not the nectar. These are rare precious gems, wealth beyond imagination. And this causes some distraction among the devas and the asuras. Like some of the devas, some of the asuras immediately start you know, pursuing this particular wealth that is generated. But, you know, that is still not the end goal. Soma is what is required. So Devas and the Asuras continue churning. And ultimately, after all this happens, Soma comes out of the ocean. As soon as the nectar comes out of the ocean, now the Devas and the Asuras get into a frantic rush to be the first ones to get their hands on Soma because they don't trust each other. And they both want, you know, Soma first so that they can get the advantage. Now, as this is happening, Devas also go back to Lord Vishnu because at the beginning, they had the same concern. Lord Vishnu, if you say you will give an equal share of the Soma to everyone involved, that includes Asuras also, then that defeats our purpose. You know, that causes concern for us. So Lord Vishnu reassures them at the beginning itself that, don't worry, I'll manage the situation in such a way that only you, the Devas, will get the nectar and the Asuras will not. So... Keeping that promise in mind, the Devas go back to Lord Vishnu panicked again to help and intervene with this situation where Asuras are now gunning for Soma. So Lord Vishnu takes the form of Mohini, who is known to be an enchantress and full of charm and guile. So when she starts dancing in front of the Asuras, they get distracted. And taking advantage of that distraction, the Devas get their hand on the nectar first and then they partake of it. And that's how they gain uh, an upper edge over the Asuras. And then they regain dominion over the three Lokas. And that's basically the story of the churning of the ocean.
0: Quite elaborate, Bogus. And I think you definitely have added an element of boredom Mm -hmm. into the actually exciting story. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's for a purpose. Yeah. So I have a simple question, Bogus. Yeah. Why did we choose this story? I'm sure there are a lot of mythological stories. Okay? Yeah. So why this story specifically? Why? Why are we doing this?
2: Why?
1: Yeah, that, that is the million dollar question really. Because Billion dollar question. Million is nothing nowadays. Because, you know, being in India, we're not short of stories. Not at all. And we're not short of grand stories. Yeah. We have many of them each grander than the other. But for some reason, bro, this story, mm. the churning of the ocean, it is something that refuses to go away. You know, oh, in, where? <laughs> in the sense that you have a Kurukshetra, yeah. you know, you have a Ramayana, mm-hmm. you have a Ravana and what happened there. Right. You have all these epic uh, situations and epic storylines. Despite all that, yeah. this story never seems to lose its visibility. It's also, it has a parallel in like Viking culture. Like they have a similar, you know, story about something like this, Mm -hmm. which only gives you a clue about how old this really is. Is it the epic of Gilgamesh? No, No, it's not. No, Gilgamesh is like Noah's Ark. Yeah. That's the parallel. And the minute you have mythologies that match somehow, Mm -hmm. you know, across cultures, that kind of gives you a clue about how old those cultures probably are. For example, the concept of Saptarishis, seven Mm. people originating civilization, this exists across. Yeah, even in the Sumerian culture. In Norse mythology, Sumerian mythology, uh, Egyptian mythology, everywhere you have seven people.
0: The seven magicians, they're depicted different ways. Even
1: the Aztecs and the Incas and the Mayans, you know, the South American, they have the same thing. So that gives you a clue about how old this story is. That is the one thing that sticks out about this story. That is one of the things. Mm-hmm. The other thing that sticks out about the story is just the dramatics involved. The scale. The scale of this. You know, yeah. it's insane to comprehend. The other thing that sticks out about this is… The Mount Meru. Randomly wrote a few years back, mm-hmm. I was traveling to a certain destination for which I had to have a layover at Thailand, mm-hmm. Suvarnabhumi Airport. Mm-hmm. I'm walking around, I have cross security, everything. And I'm walking around uh, in the lobbies of that Suvarnabhumi airport, the long walkways, right? And what do I see to my shock? Like in the middle, there's like shopping malls all over. Right. And there's these long walkways. And in the middle, there's this long art installation. Mm-hmm. And it's made up of this paper mache, plaster of Paris kind Gosh, of thing. Yeah. It is the churning of the ocean hmm. in Suvarnabhumi airport. Right. You know, like if you wanted to choose, like, you know, Thailand has some influence uh, right. of Hinduism and all that. Right. Uh, but majority what you see is, you know, Garuda statues or Indra or Rama, Sita. Right. This is what you usually come across. But in the airport, all of a sudden, I come across an entire huge installation. Hmm. You have to walk across it. Right. And it is the entire scene of the churning of the ocean. That they is this made. the one
0: scene or it's like all the different parts of it?
1: It's like you know the mountain is in the middle, uh-huh. and the snake is this, coiling yeah, around. Right, and the snake is the length of the entire thing. Got it. So there's devas till the end, right, and then there's asuras till the end. Right. The scale that they built it, mm. it was not some special occasion or anything like that. Out of nowhere, randomly, I see this in the airport, you know, and that just tells me that the genius of the storytellers, right, for them not only to come up with a story with Plot elements, if you can Mm. call it that, that you can never forget because of the scale. Right. And then purposely doing that because they're hiding some meaning inside it. You know, like just like how if if civilization resets Mm. and...
0: What do we rely on?
1: The new people, they come upon the Egyptian pyramid. At first, they're going to see like, oh, it's weird. Can't make head or tail of this. But then once they start measuring... Yeah. Yeah. Then they start learning fractions, they start learning ratios. Right. They learn the distance between the earth to the moon and the sun. Right. Because all of that is encoded within that pyramid right. and its dimensions. In a similar way, our guys back then, they encoded the formula for, you know, like the purpose of life. Or what is the journey going to be when a man starts to embark on a journey of self-development or self-realization or a project that they have or a goal that they have and mm. they want to achieve that goal. Guy. Yeah. And not just what that process is going to be, how it's going to, be. how it's going to be and what traps, what it takes, what it takes and where you might fail also. Right. You know, they're clearly showing you a blueprint that, Hey, this is the pattern of the process going to be. If you know this beforehand, it can actually help you a lot navigating that Uh, uncertainty that a lot of guys in our society, especially go through in their mid to late twenties. That's what, you know, I have in my mind subjectively when Mm -hmm. I use the word churn, right? Yeah. Because for me personally, my mid to late twenties was where it was very uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. because I
0: fat issues. I found
1: it so hard to make sense of like, who am I as an individual Mm -hmm. and what do I want to do with my life? Where am I going? Because I had been sleepwalking through my life until then. Right. Just mimicking and reacting to the external world. Yeah. But not bothering about what's going on inside and what do I want to do really? Who am I really? And once I started that exploration, you know, of figuring out what my purpose could be, what could I do? What do I want from my life? Ultimately, I soon found that that process was horribly inconvenient. It was unpleasant through and through. Right And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. But after having experienced the value of that process and what you get at the end of it, and then realizing what this story was actually about mm. so I did not know about the story and the secrets and all that beforehand. I came to know it afterwards. Mm. but then I was able to correlate with my experience. you know and even though I could not use it as an advantage beforehand, what that tells me is first of all, it validates you know, whatever happened, Hmm. because it fits with that pattern. And then it tells me that the next time you're looking to grow, because growth is a never ending process, right? The next time, the next step you want to take in your personal growth, you might go through the same thing again. Yeah. So knowing the story is giving so much reassurance that, hey, it's going to be shit, but it is worthwhile. And now that you know, or you've been through it, the next time you do it, even while it's happening, you can be unfazed and you can still go through to your goal because you know what the you know what the formula is, basically. Yeah. So what this story achieves is nothing short of what the Egyptian pyramids achieve in the amount of secret knowledge that they are encoding or mimifying into it, basically.
0: Yeah. My experience with this story and why I feel it's important is it's the fundamental principle yeah. of existence. And like the story itself says. So if you just look at the premise of how the story came into existence or why the story happened, all the elements which are a part of the story, the Devas, the Asuras, Shiva and the snake and the ocean itself, etc. Mm-hmm. They are the depiction of our existence yeah. consistently, yeah. right? And we thrive through this existence. Mm-hmm. So how do we correlate that to us individually? Today, right? in today's In today's time. In today's yeah. time and the thing that you said that this is the one which stands out though we have so many stories the background for me it was very obvious from the word go mm-hmm. obviously there were few people who were mentoring me going through this kind of literature mm-hmm. and they said see you need to remember one thing this story happened even before time itself existed mm. Which is why you will not hear how long they've they churned the ocean. Right. Which is why you would not hear what were the celestial positions, what are the astronomical positions. The fact is, because this happened before time itself, mm-hmm. and for all you care, time might have been a byproduct of this particular story. Right. Time in its own nature will have this quality. Mm-hmm. Right. So everything that came after time will eventually have this process, or if you call this principle you will have this principle in it. Which is why, for me, it is the blueprint, the original principle on mm-hmm. which our existence has been built on. You cannot take this uh, out of picture. Yeah, You can't tell the story out of context. Yeah, It makes sense in any bloody context. Yeah, And the sad part, personally, again, it's a subjective opinion, is why isn't this story ingrained into the educational system? Yeah, If this can be something that has been ingrained into anyone at a very early age and I'm just talking about the Indian society because it's an Indian literature yeah and if there is some kind of correlation done if some kind of abridgment done yeah and it is added into the educational curriculum Mm -hmm. that is when I feel there is a lot more clarity of direction and you know all the malice that we go through during teenage and adolescence and all that I won't say that it will abolish that but it will ease it up yeah right Which is why Thigh Gap has to do the duty of all the other people who are not doing the duty, which is...
1: Yeah, say the things that are unsaid.
0: Yeah, say the things that are unsaid, exactly. So that's the take of both of us individually and collectively as to why we feel this story has to be, what do you call, reignited? I am not getting a word, but like re-emphasized. Yeah, yeah. uh, Reiterated. Reiterated, right? Reiterated to the common audience. So even if you have not gone through it, right? At least the very fact that such a story exists. And I'm sure everybody would have heard of this in some form or the other. But we really like push people to go have a decent read about it, whatever version you get your hands on. Yeah, go through it. Because fundamentally, the principle didn't change no matter the version of the story, maybe the nitty gritty is here and there, the detailing the names and stuff like that. Yeah. But the overall principle is always intact. So any version of the story, if you get a chance, then go for it and read it.
1: The point that you made earlier about the fact that this story should actually be integrated into our education system. Yeah. You're not the first person I'm hearing it from.
0: Is it Nehru also? No. Unfortunately <laughs> I'm not. Did I touch on a soft nerve there? <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me it is Jackie Shroff. I,
1: I- have a good friend in Australia mm-hmm. who used to work here in Hyderabad and, you know, he already got married and he had a kid. And uh, apologies th- to him. Then Condolences. He- Yeah, because he was at a dead end job and he did not like, you know, what he was doing. Hmm. He figured that he wanted to take his family and their security to the next level. Yeah. So he decided that he would go to Australia on his own, um, quit his job, uh, save up some money and then go to Australia on his own and try to make things work there, get a job somehow, you know, get a house. So that he can get his wife and child there. Yeah. So he went with just one year worth of savings, et cetera. And he just landed there without a plan, without, you know, anything, just the intent. And he went through some real, real hardships. Mm-hmm. Um, and to say that would be an understatement because uh, I don't want to go into detail, but he You he, already
0: explained his family's tree. It was so.
1: a it was a dog's life, a dog's existence. Yeah. You know, it was so bad that he had to go some days without food. Hopeless. So that basically that phase, he described it as being rock bottom for him. Yeah. Um, he felt like uh, he did not know whether he did the right thing or not. Now going back to India and doing a reset was also almost impossible. And even more painful prospect, yeah. you know, ultimately he came out of all that. And he managed to make it work for himself, get his family. And now recently when he was here and when he was describing to me and I just told him about the story, the churning of the ocean. yeah. And I told him this is exactly what it sounds like he went through. And uh, he was shocked yeah. when he heard that. Because he was like, he said exactly the same thing that you said. Why the fuck don't they cover this in our education system?
0: Because then the secret will be out. And also then there will be one less episode for Thai Gap, I feel.
1: Because he was like, had I known this before? You know, it might have definitely helped me. Yeah. Because you, could have,
0: you, you would make peace with the situation.
1: Yeah, because now that I have come out of it successfully, we can sit back and talk and reminisce and all that. Yeah. But back then, I had no luxury. When I was deep down in the pits, anything could have happened.
2: Yeah.
0: Again, which is what I would like to reemphasize it is not a solution to the problems of life. Mm-hmm. It is not a solution or a hack to get out of problems or tough times. It's not a shortcut. It's not a shortcut. It is a it, in a very bad way. It is a sense of reassurance that you are on the right path. Right. It's as simple as that. And why that is important is because we don't even know if you are on the right path. Yeah. you know. So the, we need those indications. We are, we are as humans, I think we are victims of... Uh, being clueless most of the time yeah right and which is what brings that curiosity of what is there in the future for me exactly so so just to make sure that we have a bare you know a high level understanding of how do we identify a right path so that we keep our focus on the right track this story kind of gives you those indications okay so enough of the bloody like you know setup i think we spent very little time on the setup i hope we had more time but Now, let's get into the metaphors and symbolisms of the story bogus. Yeah. So I'm going to pick up the first piece itself, right? Indra getting the gift from the sage, the garland, the garland. And I'm not going to go through the whole story. Just touching upon it, gives the garland and adorns it on to his elephant. And the garland is a top brass A-level stuff. So it has attracted all kinds of honeybees or whatever. And it irritated the elephant. So the elephant threw the garland on top. And now he's cursed, saying that, how can you disrespect my gift? Yeah. So now, what is the symbolism or what is the takeaway?
1: So the subjective takeaway of that, how it translates to today's life is, if you can look at that as a metaphor for wasted talent. Fantastic phrase. One of my favorite phrase. So if you were born with... Like all of us are. Yeah. We are born with some latent abilities. We notice from childhood that certain things come more easier to us than other people. Vice versa also applies where certain things are more easier for them than for you. And you notice this disparity very early on. So all of us, when we know that there are certain talents that we have innately, are we doing anything with those talents? Are those talents finding any sort of expression at all? Or are they lying dormant? on their way to be dead? That is the question. Is there any talent which is wasted in you as an individual?
0: The word I like that you used is expression. Yeah. Is there any form of expression to this? And I completely agree with that. Uh, the biggest problem for us not feeling content or fulfilled on a day-to-day basis, I'm not saying like at the end of the day, mm. is I think we don't get a chance to connect with ourselves. The other way I interpret this is Uh, like you said yes we are all gifted in one way or the other Mm. Um, it can be a skill it can be a trait it can be you know anything yeah and most often than not you will realize about them pretty early yeah right and then you're obviously lost in the chaos of yeah the rat race or the chaos of you know your surroundings and all but at the end of the day if you can somehow give it some expression Mm. right and when what we mean, and I'm speaking on your behalf because we already discussed this, what we mean by expression is, is there any way you are executing that skill? Maybe a hobby, maybe through a profession. In the smallest of ways. Yeah, the measure doesn't matter. Doesn't have to be monetized. And another thing that I'll also add to that is for you as an individual to be connected to that on a regular basis. Yeah. Because if there is anything that can be called... Uh, natural in you mm. or that can be called a part of you mm. is is that natural skill you know, right what you're born with right so as much as you're born with your looks and your intelligence and you know your persona and stuff like that thank you you are also born with um a set of skills yeah now if you want to be connected to them you need to give it an expression yeah and that is also we have spoken about this in the measure of men and so many other episodes that one of the prerequisites is to be connected with yourself yeah right and
1: this part of the story this metaphor is actually the wasted talent part is actually a warning yeah the warning is that if you have talents that were you know naturally gifted to you Hmm. from birth and if you don't use them yeah this story seems to be hinting that there is a consequence that comes absolutely So that is something that we need to be careful about. Yeah. That's that's
0: the depiction that we take out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That if you don't respect your talent and if you don't embrace your talent, yeah, then there is going to be a price tag. You will and pay a price. Yeah. And it is inevitable. Yes. So so yeah, so that's that's a great start, first of all.
1: It's something to keep in mind. Yeah,
0: because this is for me, this is a controllable. Yeah you know you it's in your hands very much so yes that what you will do with what your skill is and anybody asking the question like maybe i don't know what my natural skill is and all like that means that either you're not hearing to people around you properly or you're not hearing to yourself so you already know what the problem where yeah, you yeah. need to start you're with. not observing yeah anything. and you you have the idea of what to start with hmm. so that's about it okay now there is a curse Indra has now become mortal or lost all the power and the idea is to churn the ocean. Churn the ocean till you get Somras and you know that's the goal. And the crux here is there are two teams who are fighting for it yeah. and you need to work in a synergy. yeah. You can't work independently. Mm. Now let's take a pause and break down this focus.
1: The condition, the fact that they had to put a condition that the devas and the asuras had to work together. Yeah. Otherwise, it was not going to happen. Yeah, That stands as a met- metaphor for as individuals inside, we have positive traits, positive inclinations, hmm. and we also have negative inclinations. Right. We are made up of both of these. Right. But it's very important here for us to take a pause and consider that word negative. Because when we say negative, we don't mean Good or evil. We don't mean right or wrong. Think of positive and negative more in terms of like electricity. You know, a positive charge, a negative charge. So when you say positive charge and a negative charge, you don't really say positive charge is good or negative charge is bad. Yeah, so
0: I'll only put my finger in the positive. <laughs> exactly. Charge. That's how I'll get positive energy.
1: Exactly. You want to get that battery to work, you need to engage both polarities yeah. of that battery, basically. So the inner message is that in order to achieve our goals, we need both of our positive traits and our negative traits to be managed or channeled in such a way hmm. that gets us to that final goal. Right. It would be foolish to think that, oh, only the positive traits are required. The negative traits need to be swept under the carpet or ignored or yeah. avoided. It doesn't work that way. So what essentially they mean is if you have anger within you, then channel that anger, use that anger towards the realization of your goal. Yeah. But don't lose your shit you know, don't take the anger beyond a certain point to extremes. Right. Where you start, where it starts damaging you in right. turn. The same way, if you have pride, use it in a small measure. Like the measure is important because it's a spectrum. Correct. So it's important what to what extent you use your pride so that it gets you to your goal, but not too much pride so that you start making wrong decisions. Yeah. And uh, get destroyed in the process. Right.
0: And also a little on when you gave the electricity example, bogus mm. If you look at the graph of how the alternate current flows, if anybody is from the engineering background, they would have been bored to death with this graph where it's a sinusoidal wave. As I was. As both of us as were as we were. Only, I was only a little better institute, thanks to the ranks and stuff like that, the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. But you know, the depiction of electricity even on a mathematical graph is not linear. Mm. When we are talking about alternate current, right? It's a sinusoidal wave. And that's exactly what this also means. And the other thing that I want to say uh, in, in the context of the negative aspect and stuff, it is a matter of perception also. Yeah. One part of it is the measure of using it, mm-hmm. like the anger or pride or ego or greed yeah. You know, take anything that we today from a moral scale call it, oh, this is a bad trait to have. The seven to, sins. Yeah, the seven yeah, sins, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But it's also a matter of application. Yeah. Where is it that you would apply them? And how this was explained is, you know, the asuras were given the head of the snake. Yeah. To hold on to mm-hmm. in the process of churning. So the snake's poisonous fumes would be you know, thrown at the asuras. Which yeah. is you know, in a depiction way, that's what deformed them of how they look, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got the looks because of this act. Mm-hmm. But it is also a point that you use these traits to tackle certain uh, negative situations. Yeah. Right? Yes. So th- there is a lot of meaning ingrained at a different level, you know, pictorially. It's it's up to your imagination how much you want to take out of it.
1: Like the only way to cure a poison bite is with poison. With right? poison. That's- and.
0: This is again where I I kind of emphasize when you're reading the story or when you're going through this, keep an open perception, right? And at the same time, try to look at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Another thing which we also mentioned in the reading episode, keep going back to the story at different stages of your life. Exactly. Because because as and when you experience different situations and circumstances, the meaning of the story You know, always keeps getting better and bigger. Yeah. So that's another practice that I would suggest, which is keep going back to the story every now and then. Yeah. So now the churning process started bogus, right? In the next part, moving on in the story. From here on till the poison comes out, because the churn and churn and churn and churn. And then finally, like, what nonsense, nothing is happening. There's only froth coming. And then finally, boom, a poison comes out and everybody's like,
1: what there is a metaphor in the mountain that they used, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, there's a metaphor for the snake as well. Mm-hmm. And this story, bro, it blows my mind. Like earlier when you said, "Think of the bigger picture," right? Yeah. I can't think of a short story that has a bigger picture than this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like just this mountain and the snake thing. Yeah. Is good enough for a young guy in his early twenties if he knew this formula, hmm. he would save so much time. Yeah, All the years that got wasted for us because of lack of mentor figures or lack of proper counseling or whatever. Right. If there's a smart young guy in his early 20s now that listens to this metaphor, that's it. Because yeah. the metaphor for the mountain, it's called mandara. Hmm. And mandara, broken up, it means mind and string. Hmm. So stringing your mind along in a line, basically. Hmm. So what that translates to is focus or concentration or intention Hmm. over a period of time. Yeah. So the mountain is supposed to be intention. What is your intent towards your overall goal? Then comes the snake. The snake is supposed to be a symbol for desire. So basically, you are required to keep your desires in control. You're supposed to show self-restraint. Because when you embark on a project, when you start working towards a particular goal, immediately you might get some distractions. You know, some desires might tempt you to go off track a little bit. But you have to keep that within restraint, all the while remembering your intention. What was your original intent? So the snake and the mountain basically show that the marriage of intent with discipline Hmm. and discipline in the sense, you know, keep your desires under control, consistency of output, process, etc., so the marriage of intention and discipline is all you need. Hmm. That constant process, and that constant process is like think of the churn. Yeah. Right. The devas are pulling it one side, the asuras are pulling it the next side. Yeah. Then they're pulling it again, and then push. There's this push and pull, and push and pull. They're like the sinusoidal wave that you mentioned. Right. So this is supposed to show that this intent and discipline, intent and discipline, this is an everyday thing. Right. You keep going in between these two. You keep going this intent with discipline, intent with this every day. And that is the only way you're going to get there. right? So that's basically what I took out of that.
0: Yeah. So this is where the story becomes really interesting, hmm. which is also the reason why I kind of bought in the aspect of perception or, you know, how you're looking at things. Because, I mean, you broke it down from a very individualistic point of view, mm-hmm. right? Now, the funny thing for me is... When I went through this story or the setup, mm. this story was explained to me from a very, very high level. Yeah. You know, and it kind of still makes sense for me as an individual. What was told to me was the Mount Meru is you as an individual, your soul, your mind, mm-hmm. like your entity. And the ocean is the all-known or the existence per se. Right. Say, say the nature itself. The snake is what connects you to the whole supernatural setup. Mm-hmm. And it's a snake that creates the karmic actions. Mm-hmm. So there are good deeds that you do and there are bad deeds that you do. And you're always oscillating between good and bad deeds. Mm-hmm. And you keep going through this grind till a point where you become everything. Mm-hmm. right? When the somras comes and you know the action stops, like the concept of moksha or enlightenment. Right. Right? And why this is also important for me is it kind of gives an inner purpose for me. It's not just a superficial or it's not a practical sense, Mm -hmm. but it also kind of pinches your spiritual aspect. Okay. If If you're able to, like, I'm not saying it's compulsion, but for me, subjectively, you kind of see the coded messages in everything else also. Yeah. So you take the same kind of setup and put it in a tree or in a park, you kind of start seeing the bigger picture through them. Right. And like one of the things that is always there is you... If you have the art of observing and, you know, being gullible, Mm. you can learn anything and everything about the universe or yourself through everything around you.
1: Yeah, art of observing without judging.
0: Without judging, right? So, and this is the infra that we are born with or we play with. This is the rules of engagement from a hardware perspective. So if you understand that blueprint or the wireframe of how we are and, you know, just to give it a pictorial depiction... And then kind of use fractality into everything. Like take this kind of thing and try to apply in whatever you can make sense of. Then you see that connect. And why I say that is important is for me, that is the only way you can develop certain traits like empathy, like compassion. And you can either internalize those things to yourself or you can apply it on others.
1: Yeah. So, Brut, uh, first of all, I want to say you used the word fractality there. Yeah. So I just want to um, shout out to our listeners. If you want us to go more into that particular word or that concept, what do we mean by fractality or fractal design, write to us, let us know, and we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, whole it's topic, a huge topic uh, in itself. And that also helps to decode a lot of, you know, things, symbols, etc. Yeah. But uh, the other thing I wanted to say was your interpretation of the mountain and the snake, etc., That just goes to underline the greatness of the story for me. Exactly. And the greatness of the storytellers. Right. Because if you want to take a spiritual or purely spiritual interpretation, it is available for you. Yeah. And it still holds true. It still makes sense. Yeah. If you want to take a purely practical interpretation out of it, that is also still available for you. Correct. And the reason why these two work at the same time is the brilliance of our school of thought or our philosophy, which is in order to achieve the final self actualization or whatever yeah you can either follow the spiritual path or you can follow the complete practical the path. dharmic path the yeah. practical aspect, or you yeah. can even achieve it through practical tasks right but by doing them in the right spirit and Correct. doing them in the right way so that is again the fractality of You know, the story, the story, the story uh, itself. Yeah, exactly. It's so brilliant. Yeah.
0: And that's the reason I wanted to give the other side of perspective, like my perspective also, because these are not just two aspects. There is so much more you can interpret from the story. Yeah. So it's kind of an example that if in between two people, there are two versions of, you know, interpretation, put 10 people in the room and tell the story. It is very highly possible that there can be 10. They might take
1: something else out of
0: it. Yeah. And not just that, all of them can be true. Yeah. They can be equally true or right, yeah. right, and that's the that's why this story becomes all the more important, and which is why it should be in the bloody educational curriculum. Yeah. Now moving on to the next phase, which is the third part of the story, which is okay. They've churned and churned. Mm. They've got the setup right. The mechanics is right. The first output is poison, and the deadliest poison. It's, it's it is like dude. It's Cobra thai. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they don't know how to deal with this because. This is the first technical success they got, which is basically they got some product some out of it. Some output, yeah. yeah. some output out of it. And they're like, whoa, this is not what we thought it would come. Yeah. So now Shiva comes down and he says, guys, don't worry. Let me handle this. He gulps down the poison and kind of holds it in his throat. Mm-hmm. Now okay, they, everybody's like, let's move on and start churning again. Mm. Now this part is a very crucial part. It's actually the bigger part of the story. Yeah, yeah. This is the time where the story kind of steps away from the basic activity of churning the ocean and kind of focuses a little more on how Shiva deals with the poison.
1: Yeah. Right. Again, from the practical interpretation, let's look at the poison coming out first. And this is no normal poison. In the description, it said that this is the most toxic poison to exist. Yeah. It is poisonous enough to delete creation, basically. Yeah. Everything that it's touching, it is completely. It deleting, can negate them. Negating completely. Yeah. Yeah. So such a deadly poison, in a practical interpretation for our day-to-day lives, when we try to sincerely embark upon a goal, no matter how simple it is, like I want to get physically fit, I want to eat right, I want to sleep right, whatever, as we start doing it, this poison, metaphorically, is what comes up. Like it's one of the first things to come up. And what this poison stands for is think of it in terms of all the reasons for you to basically stop doing whatever you're doing. Yeah. That's what this poison is. Because tomorrow, if I say I want to improve a certain part of myself, your nose, and I make a plan and I start working on it. The initial stage is all kinds of reasons for you to stop doing that worthwhile thing. Yeah. Start popping up in front of your face. And that is, you know, the practical interpretation of this poison. Absolutely,
0: It's like anything that will derail you from your mission. Exactly. And it can be, it can be yourself. Yeah. You know, it can be your own chaotic mind or like unwanted thoughts. Negativity or, around you. Yeah. And people uh,
1: pulling you down,
0: you know, uncontrollables like your father needs you for the business or you need to support your grandparents with the health. It can be it doesn't matter whether it's a good or bad thing. Again, the beauty is it's not about whether that is a good thing or a bad thing, as long as it is not allowing you to pursue what you're embarked upon exactly it's an obstacle it's a challenge it's a a challenge as simple as that so for me bogus the best way to approach this is not to sit and judge or evaluate oh this is a bad thing oh this is a good thing or you know oh this is a justifiable reason Mm -hmm. or this is an unjustifiable reason that's not the point here right it doesn't matter whether it's a rational or an irrational reason if it has derailed you from what you have set upon doing, that's about it. There's no more conversation. Yeah. And I came across a great quote in my first job and kind of stuck to me even today. The moment you enter the office, uh, right behind the, the reception, there's a whole wall poster where there's a guy climbing a mountain. Mm-hmm. And then it's written that there are two things in life, reasons and result. Mm-hmm. And in the next wall... This guy doesn't have legs, and he's already peaked the mountain, mm-hmm. right? He has like amputated legs and all. Right. The next thing that is written is reasons don't matter, okay. you know. And this is exactly—I mean—it directly correlates with that. Like the poison is something that you should overlook mm. and move forward mm. and hope
1: that somebody will help you out. Yeah. Then, bro, there is a the matter of Shiva entering the scene. Exactly. Now, in a practical interpretation, again, this is like the saying that we keep hearing. When the student is ready, the master will appear.
0: Correct. Like how I came into your life. In your dreams. So, I never came in my dreams, but I came into your life. (laughs) No, no. that also in your dreams.
1: Stop being vulgar bogus for once. Right. So, this phase of, you know, where the poison comes out, Hmm. this is like in practical interpretation, it is rock bottom. When you start working towards something, yeah, things just get more and more negative. Things probably get more and more discouraging. Yeah, you know,
0: discouraging is a good word. Yeah. Negative, I wouldn't say, but yeah, discouraging.
1: You're facing challenges and obstacles. Yeah. Like you said, they don't have to be good or bad. Yeah. They're just obstacles. As but, simple as that. That's it. So as we keep going through that, then we enter this phase of doubt. You know, am I ever going to make it to what I wanted to do? Right. Am I even on the right path? Yeah. Like, you know, am I even worth it? You know, uh, am I good enough? All this Your stuff. Your confidence takes a hit. Yeah. Everything. and A lot of people actually do give up at right. this stage. Right. The poison coming out. Yeah. And for the people who continue to persevere through that stage, you know, hmm. because like they say, courage is not the absence of fear. Yeah. It is management of fear. Correct. Right. So when you have these self-doubts, when you go through these dark phases, which in the West, they have a term for it called the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. Basically, when you're most... challenged.
0: they say Batman of the soul? No. So much more colloquial.
1: When you're most challenged, you know, and that's what they call the dark night of the soul. So for the people who continue to persevere through that phase, mm-hmm. because of the faith or belief they have in the goal, in its worth, etc. Mm-hmm. That is when the master... Or a mentor. Yeah. Or someone would appear who is far more experienced and far more knowledgeable than you are. Wise. Wise than you are. Word is wise. And they help you relieve your burden a little bit. Yeah. With the benefit of their knowledge.
0: Or they help you navigate the obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, for me, how I look at it, Shiva fundamentally helped them navigate through that. Just obstacle. facilitated. Correct. Yeah. Right. So that is the juice of the matter. That He
1: didn't come and say, oh, you wanted Soma? Yeah. Just a sec. And he didn't just I pop have, it out. I just had it all the time. Like, exactly. I was just waiting for you to ask. Yeah. <laughs> he did not do home delivery.
0: No. He no just no spoon feeding. No spoon feeding. And that's point. another big, big, bloody takeaway. Yeah. There is no spoon-fitting, you know. The world doesn't meet you halfway. Yeah. You need to go through the grind. There is no exception. All the successful people or anybody you take. Yeah. And if you can just forget about the glitter glamour of what they've achieved. Yeah. And look deeper, you know. You will see what is it that it takes to actually achieve something. And it's not about the measure of how much you've achieved, but at least to achieve something. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Shiva, in this case, the depiction that we take is that... When you have come to a point where metaphorically you've hit rock bottom, Mm -hmm. then there is always a helping hand which will pull you up. And once again, there is no shape, size or form of how that help will come. Yeah. But it fundamentally definitely gives you a feeling that, okay, I am kind of getting somewhere now. You still don't know where, but you get that feeling. Okay, I'm not down anymore. I'm kind of getting up from here.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So now Shiva has handled the first obstacle. The beautiful thing is bogus. It's not just about this aspect. Yeah. Which is why I emphasized earlier that this is one of the pivotal points of the story where the focus goes away from the churning and it kind of goes into detail about how Shiva has handled the poison also. Yeah, yeah. Now that is beautiful writing. It's probably my favorite anything. part. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. The whole aspect of moving away from the main plot to a side plot That, again, is, I think, intentionally done. Oh, yeah. Because there is, again, some decoding to be done even. That side story.
1: The greatest thing about that is, so in their darkest hour, Mm -hmm. the master appeared. Yeah. And relieved them of that burden by swallowing that deadliest poison. Correct. And then that poison is held so that it just stays in the throat and it doesn't go further below that. Yeah. In colloquial terms, we keep stressing upon the importance of, you know, reaction versus response. Mm -hmm. This is something that we've mentioned in previous episodes also. Multiple times. Multiple times where, you know, imagine a colloquial situation where you're among a group of friends or, you know, in a social gathering and somebody takes a shot at you in public among people, you know, whose opinions you value. And so they've taken a shot at you, they've done something confrontational, and now it is upon you to handle that situation. Do you lash out immediately? Like, do you react immediately? Or are you aware enough that you don't need to react immediately? That's not your only option. Hmm. You can also take your time to consider a more potent or a more strategized successful response. Right. Right. There is this character, uh, a fictional character in a book by Ayn Rand. The book is called Fountainhead. A lot of idealistic young people. Stop, don't read that. uh, Generally read that book. Uh, But there is one character trait. The protagonist is called Howard Rourke, Hmm. and he's an architect. And he's a guy who likes to, who has a moral code about whatever he does, and he likes to do things in a pure way. And he doesn't like compromising on his values. But like the story goes, like this churning of the ocean goes also, the minute he starts to try something, he gets all kinds of opposition. People who rather want to make a quick buck, they want yeah. to take the shortcut, etc., which this guy does not want to do. So because of that, they are scheming against him and they are causing him some collateral damage. Right. So someone close to him asks him, how come this doesn't affect you? You know, these people are doing so many things to make your life a living hell. But it doesn't seem to phase you or affect you at all. What he says is, it does affect me. It does affect me, but I don't let it affect me beyond a certain point. Yeah. Because there's no sense in that. It doesn't make any sense to allow them to affect me beyond a certain point. Yeah. That's a very strong point which correlates with this holding the poison in the throat, which is all of us human beings are made up of this reptilian reflex that is built into our system the reflex that we have is because of predators etc in olden days how process we of evolution. yeah it's process of evolution so we have an immediate reflex reaction uh, which we cannot control you know if i threw something at you without thinking without yeah. crossing you would duck i throw
0: something bigger at you and i duck yeah. you know no, without even thinking
1: yeah but i throw it very fast i still duck <laughs> so super fast what that tells us about how we are made is there are certain things that we cannot avoid if you look at these contemporary motivational speakers or influencers, etc. When they talk about this stuff, they usually say, don't let the negativity get to you. Uh, if you read comments, don't let it affect you. You should never let it bother you or you should never let someone offend you. Unfortunately, that's the wrong, not just wrong. It is unachievable almost because we are not made that way. There is no way to escape the sting. If someone says something insulting and if it is really, you know, potent. Yeah then you're we, bound to get affected. You're bound to get stung.
0: Not just that. The other way of looking at it is even if you are able to avoid it for a bunch of times, it will get to you.
1: Yeah. And Shiva taking the poison in and holding it in his throat, which means taking it in to a certain extent, but not beyond that. Right. That's what it means. So because we don't seem to know any better when we are stuck in situations like that, we think we have to go with our reflex response. But that's not really the only option you have. There's a better option. You can give it some time if you want. And you can choose your response on your terms where it has an even more you know, potent impact, where the punch lands even harder. But basically, if you give into your reflex response, then you're giving into the chaos of it all. You're right. giving into the uncertainty. You have very little agency now. You have very little control over how things are going to pan out. Yeah. So that kind of take a pause take two seconds, consider what just happened and respond accordingly. That kind of mindset, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come without practice. And it takes a whole lot of time to even realize, you know, it takes years to realize that this is actually how I should be doing things. Yeah.
0: And often you're too late to do something about it. You're too late. Unless you know the story. The way I look at it is twofold. One is, you know, face your challenges. The solution is not to run away. Yeah. Right. The solution is to persevere, right? Like continue what you're going at it and take everything in your stride. If you're strong enough, it can only damage you so much. Right. The other thing is similar to how you, you know, the whole example that you mentioned. One of the things I came across is when you are pursuing something, which means something to you, don't be afraid to be challenged. Yes. Because you will be. You will be. Right. The thing that you need to learn is like the same concept of courage don't be afraid to be challenged. That is also a form of courage, right? Yeah. And now that you're not afraid of being challenged, don't try to win the challenger. Don't try to disprove the challenger. Just acknowledge the challenge. And then you take what you want out of it and then go forward. There is no winning or losing against the challenger. Just because somebody questions you doesn't mean that now you have to sit and prove yourself right or prove the other person wrong. Yeah. The fact that somebody is challenging you Is an indication that you're doing something right. Take it to that point and forget about the remaining debate. It's not even a debate. It's not even a conversation for you. It's just an indicator for you that, okay, if somebody sees that I am worth challenging because I'm threatening something or like, you know, I'm doing something right. Mm. Which is, again, what I connect in the whole, the reason for us doing this, is this is what we don't know when we're going through that grind, right? We don't know the what are the right signals. Yeah. We don't know what are the indicators that we are on the right path. Yeah. So this whole episode of Shiva coming and saying, don't worry, I'll handle it, is a huge thing. And the other aspect is, when you face your challenge, once again, help will come. Yeah. Because... Provided you keep going. Provided you keep going and provided, you know, you're smart enough about it. And it again is told in how the moon comes and sits on Shiva's head because to cool him down and the Ganga flows, snake comes and coils around him. Right. All these things. So help can come in any shape, size and form. It might not necessarily come from the source that you anticipate. Yeah. So keep yourself open. Yes. And keep moving forward. That's the takeaway. Now, great. So they keep churning the ocean. Yep. And now the real juice comes. Mm. All the while, it's just been obvious dangers, obvious hardships. Yeah. But this is the next level of hardship, which is the gems coming out, the powerful stones coming out. Treasures. There are treasures coming out, wealth, glitter, glamour, but the somras hasn't come out yet. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is a different angle of hardship. This is, yeah. And this probably. is probably the hardest. <laughs> exactly. Right? That's exactly what, what I was going to say. hardest form. Yeah. So, have you ever experienced this bogus? Let me give it a twist. Have you ever
1: experienced this form of hardship? So, let's go into the interpretation first. like Because, you know, the reason why we say it's a hardship is because in the story itself, Hmm. the emanation of wealth caused some distraction. Correct. Some asuras or some devas did pursue that particular wealth for selfish reasons. Right. Have I ever experienced this in a smaller scale? I can't remember actually. Like
0: off the bat on a corporate scale, I think a lot of people come across this. Yeah. That one big deal. Oh, I can, I remember, bro. So obviously, I always pro. You know what I do, bogus? I sow seeds. So and I. And then I can't explain.
1: I had an opportunity to grow my career yeah. a few years back, but that would mean I had to leave Hyderabad mm. and I'd have to travel the country. And I kind of had already this seed of Thigh Gap and you know what I wanted to do with Thigh Gap
0: with your skill and talent sitting Um, in one place
1: so I knew I had a latent knowing Hmm. that if I take this offer I was already working the job to build up a capital and save money for you know a venture like Thigh Gap So in a way, it would have made sense to take up the offer because I'll get more money. And hey, you'll build more capital, more more capital, more savings. Yeah. But I kind of knew that I was fooling myself. Like I would be fooling myself if I went with that direction. Right. Because the minute I changed a city, then I'd have to handle this. So many other distractions, like finding a house, managing my food and all that. Yeah. All of my energies would be dissipated in those directions. The
0: luxury of time will no longer be with
1: you. Exactly. I would just be chasing money, money and more higher higher salary etc right which would take me away from kind of what i wanted to do which was high gap yeah so when that situation came i was a little bit challenged because i knew that if i didn't take up this opportunity immediately it's going to go to some people that i already Correct. know and they would take it up Correct. which is what happened right so through my professional experience i've had juniors reach my position and then go beyond my yeah. position also yeah because i did not show the same ambition. Uh, because that would mean, you know, thigh gap not working out probably. Right. And that's something I could not take. Yeah. But if I would have taken, that's almost like this wealth coming out and Correct. that distraction.
0: Correct. And see, resistance or restraining from luxury, Yeah,
1: especially
0: in today's day and age, yeah. one of the most difficult things.
1: It's really tough.
0: Especially considering the fact the dopamine immunity that we developed, yeah, the excitement immunity that we developed, the nuclear families that we're living in, where the value of relationship is lost in the clouds. Yeah. It becomes very, very difficult to pursue something meaningful, whether as a group or as an individual. Yeah. And once again, it's amazing how it stands true from a story which was said, you know, beyond time.
1: It will never stop blowing my mind.
0: Yeah, it's, it's amazing.
1: And that is what we see
0: today, mm-hmm. right? Today, we might have eased up our initial struggles. I mean, I'm just taking it as an example, but nepotism or, you know, through some kind of reference or recommendation or something. Yeah. You get through the best schools, you get through the best colleges, you get through the best companies. yeah. But the real struggle actually starts... In the hindsight, you realize handling the poison was the easy job.
1: Yes. You know? Easier.
0: Easier job. Yeah. This is where the difficulty starts. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're being offered like fancy packages, all kinds of these things are actually not helping you in pursuing what you want.
1: And where don't we see this, bro? Everywhere. Like a stand-up comic who is, you know, uh, struggling. Correct. Gets into the art form because... He believes in the art form and he wants to express himself and he wants to grow as a stand-up comic. Right. But what happens when that stand-up comic gets material success?
0: Yeah, they compromise on the bigger picture.
1: What happens to their material after
0: that? the other thing is sports people. Sports people. And especially with the kind of money that is being pumped into sports. Exactly. Right? Forget about, you know, the partiality, the, all that crap. But one guy plays one IPL season and then you don't get to see him. And that IPL season, you're like, wow, what a talent. Like, this guy should really go a long way.
1: Yeah. How many examples of sports persons we see hmm. where once they get that material success, yeah. it kind of goes to their head and their entire life changes. We don't know what happens, but they just disappear. It's almost like they become a different person. Correct. You know, that you Correct. can't relate with them anymore. Right. right. And that's what money does. And all these rich Hollywood people or the very successful people who even after getting all that wealth and success, like that famous Jim Carrey quote, right? yeah Yeah, i wish everybody
0: can become rich and get what they want so that they know it that's not what it is exactly life is not what
1: so even after getting to the peaks of material success these people still look around and like they have a hole in them and they're not able to fill that hole
0: yeah they are they die of depression they they die die of of depression
1: etc yeah it's because of this. Because maybe when they began, they were earnest. Maybe they were sincere. Everybody would Everyone be. would be. Yeah. But once they achieve that success and get to that material success le- uh, level, yeah, that is when if they don't control it. I
0: genuinely want Thigh Gap to have that problem. Yes, well, please. Yeah. <laughs>
1: please. Challenges. On, like, ch- put us in a spot. Somebody throw yeah. two crores at our face and say Each. challenge.
0: Each. Each. yes Each. Please. Yeah. The Star mark. Okay. Yeah. But uh, it's, a, it's a good problem to have. It's a great problem. To have. In yeah. today's age, like fucking yeah. two crores is harder, man. Yeah. Fuck this shit. But if you're not
1: prepared, <laughs> if you're not mature enough, then it's the worst kind of problem you can have. because You
0: don't even realize it's a problem. You won't know what hit you.
1: You remember the stories of uh, people who randomly won the lottery? Yes. And what happened to them after that?
0: Yes. People who won a crore. Who a guys?
1: All of their relations. Yeah. Broken, spoiled, damaged. Broken. Beyond repair. Right. They became beggars. Through the money. the money In record time, they became beggars. Right. And they lost everything in their life. Yeah. Which is insane if you think about it. Yeah.
0: And probably all their lives, they would have dreamt of that kind of money.
1: Exactly. So this story is no joke. Yeah. Churning of the ocean. Everything. They've managed to include every damn thing. I
0: think we have to start a series called It's Not A Joke. (laughs) Yeah. After It's Not Easy. (laughs) Like the obvious transition seems to be like, it's no joke. Thigh Gap is still not having like the materialistic distractions. It's no joke, guys. It's your responsibility.
1: Do you have any other interpretation of this wealth? Uh, you know, stage?
0: No, Like I think we covered most of it uh, because, see, it, it changes from day to day, it changes from age to age, right? Like when you're younger, it might be girls and chicks and like, you know, having that FOMO thing, like being a part of the crowd, which right. kind of pulls you away from who you are, right? Then in the corporate, you know, in in your early stages of the career, it is about impressing your hierarchy or your superiors than you kind of sticking to your game and, you know, improving your own, you know, skill or this thing. Hmm. Later on, I mean, I don't know, but it's about like getting submerged in responsibilities and giving that as a reason that I can't do this, I can't do that or Hmm. etc. So again, even in the story, it's gems and stones and like, you know, mythical creatures and all of that. So, it has multiple shapes and forms. Yeah. You know, these distractions, these uh, luring, seducing aspects will come in any shape and form. It can be yourself also. It just, we don't know it yet.
1: Yeah. So, what does the story, you know, how does the story treat this wealth generation? Uh, what does the story have to say about how the wealth needs to be used ideally? I mean, it doesn't say it explicitly, hmm. but what it shows through metaphor is. In the story, the Devas were collecting the wealth so that they could offer it back to Vishnu. Right. To say that, you know, ultimately this wealth is yours. Right. And so this is the rightful place. Right. It needs to go to. The Asuras were collecting the wealth for their own gain. correct? That's the difference. Right. And now you can sort of understand why Vishnu decides that, no, only the Devas will get the the Soma. yeah? Because compared to the Asuras whose goals were very self-serving, the devas goals were not self serving at all they were serving a higher purpose or a different purpose so now bro let's come to that the final point. the final soma stage the climax of the story what do you make of you know the soma coming out after all these stages and what do you make of basically that final stage ethics okay. integrity okay
0: if you pursue or conduct your life with a certain amount of integrity mm-hmm. with a certain amount of ethical approach and again it's a huge debate of what is ethical, what is unethical and all that. Mm -hmm. Then you will, you know, like you say, you will make the cake and you will eat the cake. Yes. That's the final, you know, that's how I read the climax where you know, when Vishnu takes the form of Mohini and the story goes that he is now dancing to the tune. It's kind of a celebration that, oh, you know, finally you guys have achieved the Somras. So, it's kind of a party he conducts and all that. And he carries two jugs, one with water or basic, some non soma, Mm -hmm. and one jug with soma. And every time, and he's the one who's serving it to both the parties. And when he's serving it to the devas, he's serving the soma. And for the others, they're serving the decoy. The decoy. Yeah. Right. And uh, that for me is a way of looking at. The person who genuinely has leveraged the best of his qualities, mm-hmm. I'm not saying the negative traits are positive, the best of his qualities to make a worthwhile impact for himself and in turn for others around him, which comprises of integrity to what he does, which comprises of compassion about his own people or, you know, the overall people who are in a part of his journey. Yeah. If you can do that and if that is what they were they were able to achieve mm. that is when you become eligible to actually eat the cake that you made
1: yes yeah in my subjective interpretation i correlate this final stage of the story of the soma with purpose mm. in life and this i think is the most important part of the story because even though it comes last mm. It is actually with this purpose that the story began. Correct. The story began for Soma. Right. And this is the thing that comes out in the very end. Right. So what I'm trying to say by that is without a purpose, well-thought-out purpose, well-considered purpose beforehand, whatever plans we make, whatever goals we uh, make for ourselves, they probably are not well-directioned. Or you know,
0: do we say uh, well-articulated?
1: Well-articulated, well-directioned. Uh, it's haphazard. Yeah. you know, in it's all gajibuji. Yeah,
0: it's it's like castles in the sky.
1: Yeah, but if you start with a well-thought-out and well-considered purpose, that North Star is what keeps us on track throughout our journey. Right. So the Soma coming out there at the end, why is that the nectar? Why is that the Amrut? Metaphorically speaking, that is purpose and that is the end of all desires. You know, basically the fulfillment that you get. I was about to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. The contentment or fulfillment that you get with Soma. Yeah. That is exactly what these rich people are crying about. Like, how come I've earned so much money? I still have a hole. I still have a wife why, who's cribbing about Exactly. It. <laughs> why am I still depressed? Why am I still playing alimony? Why don't I get, you know, what I really wanted? Why haven't
0: I subscribed to Thigh Gap still? Exactly.
1: Uh, We see this happening with content creators also who start off, you know, people love them and they have the love of the people and they get to millions and millions of subscribers. But then you see the personality starts to... deter. Yeah, a little... Shaky. Shaky a little bit. Yeah. And then because of the wealth distraction or whatever, we don't see them reaching the point where we thought they would, which is the Soma, you know. So the point of the story is that sense of happiness, fulfillment that everyone is chasing... That comes from some element of selflessness in your actions or in your goal. Some element of selflessness. Because that's why they took great care to mention that the Devas went after the wealth only to return it back to Vishnu. And that in terms of wealth management, what that is telling in the story is, wealth generation by itself is nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, But it's also important to have a sense of detachment from that. You don't let that get to your head. You know, it was never yours to begin with.
0: It has to be treated with a level of indifference. Yes,
1: indifference. And this is something I can't even remember how many episodes back we talked about this. Yeah. In the human trials number five episode, actually, where we talked about wealth. Check it out. Um, And share. Yeah. So. (laughs) We are looking
0: to one side of the wall, and there are people sitting. Like both of us, like yeah, check it out. Yeah, share. (laughs) <laughs> the I, delusion we live in <laughs> that there, there, there are a bunch of people sitting
1: in the room. So what do I mean by selflessness? You know, it's so funny, bro. Uh, just a couple of days back, I was watching this influencer's video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And he was giving his five formulas for success or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Abridged version because every year he does this. Correct. Five formulas of success. He keep changing. He keep changing. One of the formulas he talked about was mm-hmm. do some kind of uh, charity. Mm-hmm. That was his hack. Right. And basically what he said was just the feeling of helping people, that is what gives you that, you know, contentment or fulfillment. Right. There is some very real juice there. Uh-huh. The minute you actually do something compassionate or kind to other people, hmm. immediately you get some you get something from it. Right. So that was his, you know, version. Hmm. But coming back to the story, what they talk about in service, my interpretation is, it has to have some element of selflessness. That's it. It's not about charity. It's not about annadanam, vasradanam. You donate clothes, you donate. It's not just that. That is very cookie cutter kind of version of it. But imagine if you cared about one particular thing. Let's say it was photography. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to study the art of photography with full earnest. And you wanted to put your own stamp on it. You wanted to explore new uh, unexplored territories, you know, in photography through your own eyes and your own perspective. When you go into it with such a pure intent and when you integrate discipline with that and when you're actually exploring and growing yourself and growing the medium of photography, you are still doing a service to other people. Mm hmm. Even if it is budding photographers who come after you and look at your work and get inspired and think, I want to become a photographer or, hey, whatever this person did, maybe there is something inside me which is unique. Maybe I can give that expression. But are you saying that this has to be done proactively or reactively? No, I'm just saying that even if you do it unconsciously, as long as you do it with full intent and discipline and you do it with the right mindset, right? That you want to approach it with the scientific method. Mm -hmm. like you want to learn more and you want to grow yourself and you want to discover new things and maybe add that to the repository of knowledge, you know, that's good enough. You don't even have to think about, Oh, this extra knowledge will benefit other people. You don't even have to think because without you thinking about it also, it will do that, you know, so you can consciously do service to your fellow human beings, or you can unconsciously do service. Uh, it's, a, so you're saying that there
0: has to be an element of service, element of service in your existence. Yeah.
1: E- even people who came up with food delivery apps, right? It was a nuisance for us, hmm. you know, and they solved a problem, a very real problem that we have. Yeah. So even if they're making money, even if it's a capitalistic business model, hmm. it is still an element of service there Got it. because they made our lives a little bit easier, a little bit better.
0: Yeah. So again, uh, for me, it is a debatable topic. Uh, hmm. There is philanthropy that comes into it. Yeah. There is, like you said, you know, it. some people can interpret as charity. Some people can interpret as, um, you know, developing their own vicinity or surroundings and stuff like that. So there is no end to this, the interpretations of how you depict service. Yeah. The only thing that I can, I mean, for the sake of understanding, in an attempt to simplify it, what I look at is the integrity aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, I give a lot of value to that. Yeah. The reason I say integrity is that is the only way where you can be true to yourself.
1: That's what keeps which you grounded. Correct.
0: And if you go through the journey of this aspect, like dealing the poison, dealing all these distractions and stuff, the only thing that you can do it with is integrity, which is pure. Mm. Now, why I add compassion to it is even the Asuras had the integrity. Yes. But they didn't have compassion. That's how I look at it. And what I mean by compassion in a very simple term is, and it also kind of encompasses the humility part of it, the mm-hmm. humility part of it, mm-hmm. which is when, like, if anybody comes and knocks at your door, mm-hmm. right, and you treat them without any judgment, you yeah. know, I think that's my only simplest way of compassion. It's not about whether you call them a black person or a white person or a rich guy or a poor guy, mm-hmm. but you treat them without any judgment. And that, for me, is the easiest definition I can give of compassion. I can't go deep into like, oh, you have to love everybody, all that. I I can't. I don't get it. I don't, I can't say it. Empathy, empathy. I don't infuse anything of that. Mm. As long as if I treat you the same way I treat someone else, that for me is compassion. And I'm not treating you because you're a good person or a rich person. I'm treating you because you're a person itself. You exist. So imagine that where, you know, you club it with integrity. And that's a huge differentiator. And I think... Even if you read the literature that followed this story, there is a recurring emphasis given to compassion more mm-hmm. than anything else, mm-hmm. which is why I feel that's a differentiator. you know whether you're successful, you're not successful. And also, it is quite a you know a twisted concept to actually execute. OK, right? So which is why I look at it that way. That in itself covers the service aspect of it for me. Okay. Right? Again, it's a very subjective thing. Uh, I don't differentiate service away from compassion. I think the act of compassion itself is a service, one way or the other. And it can be, again, interpreted and broken down into oh, multiple yeah, different yeah. ways. There's
1: many ways of doing service. Yeah. And uh, There's a Thai Gap example uh, as well. There's yeah. a couple where we have the Telugu podcast and we have the English podcast. Correct. The Telugu podcast is pure entertainment. It's catching on like wildfire. There are many people who are following us now. Big
0: people, like we can't name; they'll kill us. But big people who are following us.
1: So, in a way, Taiga Telugu could be lucrative for us. Yeah. But still, the service aspect is the entertainment that we are trying to provide. Correct. Uh, we are trying to give people a laugh, and we are trying to help people forget. You some know, part of their some part fest. of their daily troubles or right. whatever, and uh, have a nice light. We also hope moment. some
0: point they will forget some part of their bank balance and give yes. it to us. Yes, I mean
1: that is being integrity part of service it. on their on side. their side. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, which is due.
1: Yeah, <laughs> apart from you know providing purely entertainment, we are, what we are also doing uh, with Thigh Gap Telugu is we are bringing transparent, fair critique into how we talk about these We are not shying away from
0: biting the bullet. That's what I would say.
1: And we are giving credibility where it's due. Yeah. That's also very important. Correct. So that is Thai Gap Telu. Thai Gap English, we realize very easily that the content material is not something that, you know, people would chase after. Correct. It is not popcorn entertainment. Yeah. So we don't bother about the numbers of this English podcast because it has a completely different purpose. And when you choose that purpose, expecting a lot of followers, a lot of big, big numbers is foolish. Correct. The purpose of this English podcast is completely different.
0: We have a decent measure of the mileage yeah. each individual channel has and we respect that. Yeah. We do not try to challenge that in a way. We respect and give us fair due share.
1: Yeah. And that is to say that if we go through the poison stage, hmm. it's not going to change our overall purpose with yeah. these two podcasts. If Correct. we go through the wealth stage, which is an even bigger distraction. Yeah. It's not going to change our overall purpose. It will just change our
0: living circumstances. That, that's a about it. Yeah. It'll and it's change. for your improvement only. It's so that we can give back more.
1: It'll change our production value. Yeah. It'll change uh, how much more output. It will
0: give. change probably our hairstyles, the quality of shampoo we use.
1: And it could also change, you know, how we help out other budding creators. Yeah. In the future. Yeah.
0: if If they want our help, that is.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that's the kind of service that is inculcated in this the reason why i brought that up is because the fact that we are aware of our purpose beforehand hmm. that is what makes it easier for us to navigate all this bullshit that might come our way yeah it will still be horrible when we are down deep and down in the middle of it when we are going through it but it won't be the end of the world you know it won't we be... know that
0: i'm still kind of not sure if we know where we are what our north star is you know we just come do our job and go back as long as we don't get the paycheck, mm. we don't know if you're in the right path. Don't don't digress or don't distract our audience from contributing their part of the service to us, Bogus. No, no, why, why? do you always have to like make it so philosophical?
1: I'm the one making it philosophical. You are making it philosophical. I was like trying to I'm know, the one okay. keeping it colloquial in this episode. You're the one taking Bogus, the, the only
0: thing which is colloquial in you today is the word you repeating the word colloquial. That's okay. it. Right. Okay. It has to show in actions. Uh-huh. Anyways, it's been a
1: long day. Bro, the only thing funny you said in this episode today is the word comedy that you used. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This, again, see, you're just D.I. You're mimicking my saying. Come up with something. Original. That, that's I because come when up with something will you, original. when will you, when will you, that's what I did. No, you didn't. We can leave it to the audience to judge who did anyways. So that is the overall story. Mohini came, distributed, blah blah blah. The devas became immortal, and they got back the control. Of I, I the would say dream palace.
1: Yeah, I would like to suggest a small hack because figuring out your purpose is not um, a child's play. It's not easy. Purpose, it's not easy. Purpose, done it's not easy. Purpose. We have done it. We have done this it. This churning of the episode. Uh, churning, churning of the episode was really long. This <laughs> churning of the ocean story, brood. Incorporates how many topics that we've covered. It incorporates yeah. integrity. It incorporates purpose, process, purpose, creativity. Yeah, it just goes Conflict. on and on the list. Yeah, it just yeah. goes on and on.
0: Yeah, uh, even measure of man. Measure of man. Measure. Integrity. Oh, okay, you already said. Yeah.
1: Now who's called Boundaries. Me? Who? Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries. Come on. But yeah, the hack I would suggest you know to come up with a purpose to at least have an idea that your purpose might be in the right place is. If you've come up with a draft statement of what your purpose is going to be or what your purpose is, evaluate it to see if it is completely self-serving or if there's any element of that when scaled up, it could end up helping other people apart from you as well. If you find out that this is yes, completely self-serving, then your purpose is half-baked. It is not there yet.
0: Yeah. Or or just read Ikigai.
1: Yeah. Try, try that out also. Yeah
0: a so great conversation Bogus, it's been prolonged, elaborate and detailed, which yeah. are all good things. And we, that's what we set out to achieve mm-hmm. with this because we had to prep a lot yeah, uh, and for this episode. It was not easy.
1: Even if we take a gap, we want to make sure that when we do make an episode in the English uh, podcast, yeah.
0: that we try to cl- reach as close to perfection as we're delivering as the goods basically. Yeah. yeah. Have we done? Preparation is not easy. We have not done that. No, we have not done that. We have to do that. So, great. So, once again, if you have read this story, The Churning of the Ocean, or if you have not, then definitely we suggest you go read it. And if you did, do you have any other interpretations than what we have already expressed in this particular episode? Mm -hmm. And if you do have then do, do write to us on our award-winning socials. Bogus, let's quickly run through them. Instagram.
1: At underscore Thigh
0: Gap. Twitter and Vero. At Thigh And our email is mindthighgap at gmail.com. Simple and sweet, guys. Simple and sweet. So with that, Bogus, we end our episode yep. of the churning of your ocean. Mm-hmm. Thigh Gap Podcast.
1: Subscribe. And share. Share it. Churn. Baby. Churn, baby, churn.
0: <laughs>